I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Good evening, Kairos. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. I want to be the kind of place that engages the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, anywhere, anytime, with anybody. One of the ways that we've been doing that is we've been slow walking through Psalm 23 in a series called Restoring Your Soul. Um, and so tonight, uh, we're going to put it up on the screens. I don't have my King Jimmy version, so this is the one that most of us probably have heard this in. I would love for us to read this psalm together aloud as a community of faith. Um, we'll slow walk it. We're not going to rush it. And if you're that person, whenever you're doing responsive reading that tries to push the pace, don't do it. It's not cool. No one likes it, okay? It gives me anxiety, all right? Um, and uh, just pay attention um, as you're reciting these words, which one the Holy Spirit just wants to bubble up inside of you and go, that's for you, child, that's for you. You ready? Together? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet, sorry, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. You guys sounded good. I just needed to get out of the way. Uh, It's just lovely hearing your congregation voice, the Psalms and scriptures and the very words of God. We've been trying to memorize this here and at our church. And so I'd encourage you, uh, try to repeat this as often as you can. It makes an incredible prayer. And you'll find yourself praying it over people at different times. Uh, it's what Chucky e. Spurgeon called the pearl of all the Psalms. Um, it is one that has been ingrained in us in a lot of times of need. And one of the things that we've looked through is how do we let Jesus be our good shepherd when we're dealing with depression, anxiety, and loneliness? How do we feel his presence and fear no evil even when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Um, Before we jump in any further, I just want to invite you into my life so you can understand a little bit about more who I am. One of my good friends and spiritual sons in the ministry is here tonight. His name is Thomas Blake Jenkins. He's right there. If you just give a little rock fist up in the air, Blake, right there. His heart rate's going through the roof right now. He doesn't like any of this, which is exactly why I'm doing it. Um, It was probably, and he's here with his team. He's a college pastor in Birmingham at Dawson Baptist Church. So if you know anybody who's a college student, send them that way to that team because they're incredible. What was it, 10 years ago? Um, he came in as a freshman and then as a sophomore because I didn't hang out with freshmen. Uh, I was cooler than that as a college pastor. Just kidding. Um, we, you were over the house one night, and I just remember me, you, and Abigail and Simon, Audrey was probably off on one of her nine girls trips that she always needed to recalibrate. Um, and it was DiGiorno Pizza and Up was the DVD I think we got from Redbox. And I said, Blake, 
I'd love for you not to just stay for a meal, but to be a part of this family. Um, and that began a great friendship and discipleship relationship. And then Blake took everything I knew and did it 10 times better. I've asked him like three times to come preach here. He keeps saying no. He's playing hard to get. So if you see him later, say, hey, come hang out with us and preach to us. We'd love to hear from you. But I honor you. Glad you're here. You have enriched my life and our family's life. And you are a reminder to me that discipleship is the most important thing that any believer can do, is to make sure you invest fully in the lives of other people. I'm, I'm better because of him. So thank you. I think all of us want that at some level. We want someone to look us in the eyes and say, be a part of my family. I'm not just asking you to stay for dinner. I'm asking you to be a part of the family. And to some extent in this psalm, Jesus is giving us that same invitation. He's going to say he's going to prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He's going to anoint our head with oil. Our cup is overflowing. And possibly for David, this is literal. He's got literal enemies that are right in front of him. Perhaps it's also metaphorical for a lot of us. We have different types of enemies that we face, and sometimes it's different parts of who we are. Sometimes it's our depression or our anxiety, and sometimes it's loneliness. I don't know about you guys, but I've been doing some research into loneliness, and apparently it's growing in waves, and they're starting to do research on it, and it's not all good news. Um, let me see. Let me share some of these stats with you I thought were interesting. In 2003, UCLA researchers studied the physical effects of loneliness on the brain, and they discovered that when you are excluded, it has the same reaction in the brain that physical pain causes. So when they're doing, uh, what do you call those, PET scans, where they're showing where the brain lights up, it's the same place that physical brain lights up when you're excluded or shown things that you're not a part of which I think is the basis of Instagram, by the way. Number two, Time Magazine recently called loneliness the greatest health epidemic on par with obesity and substance abuse. And then in a recent study um, sponsored by the insurance company Cigna, they realized being lonely is making us sick. They concluded in this study that loneliness has the same effect on your mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes has a day. So good news is, if you've got friends and you're connected in community, smoke them if you got them, all right? So apparently, you're going to be okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you guys vape, all right? Um, they also reported who... <laughs> Never mind. Don't go. Any, all the other things that are running through my mind are dramatically inappropriate. And I will be incredibly more lonely if I say them out loud. You know who they discovered has the highest levels of loneliness? 18 to 24-year-olds. How many of you moved here with a plan? How many of you got married with a plan? How many of you still, is that plan working? Did it go the way you thought it was going to go? Is school going the way you thought it was going to go? Is your relationships going the way you thought it was going? Is your finances going according to plan? <laughs> Not sure this Kairos is going according to plan. 
But all of that produces a profound sense of loneliness in us. And I think we need to continue to return to the words of the Lord and pray and know that he is with us. He can prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You can interpret that two ways. One, those are conquered enemies that now have to sit and watch you feast in their presence. Or two, they're reluctant guests. That he's not removed their presence, but something has happened inside of you that allows you to be at ease and experience the providence and joy and satisfaction of Jesus, even in the midst of crisis, turmoil, and threatening circumstances. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Middle Eastern society, that would have been a sign of great refreshment. You're traveling. It's desert-like climate. Your skin is parched. Your lips are chapped. They don't have chapstick. They've got olive oil, right? It smells good. You refresh yourself, and finally you feel rejuvenated. Cup overflows. It's a sign of provision. you got a dry throat. you got a clean glass of wine, and you have more and more and more coming. The cup always a sign of provision and covenant, and he is going to overflow you with resources. And this is what we've learned <laughs> from uh, Psalm 23 is the choices of God's provisions are with us when we travel through the valley, the shadow of death. And now even more provision comes in the presence of your enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness, Hebrew word tov, right, Pardom? His toveness, that's the adjective creation gets when he first creates it. And so now he's recreating his goodness in and through you. Mercy, it's probably better translated loving kindness or steadfast love, covenant love of God. It's hesed. It's God's hallmark attribute of his covenant love for his people. And guess what? It's chasing you. It's pursuing you. It's following you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to prove your value. You don't have to be pretty, popular, or powerful. You don't have to have your act all together by sheer nature of the fact that you claim to be sheep from the shepherd of the living God. He is pursuing his covenant love after you. You can't outrun it and you can't outhide it. You can't do anything that would ever disqualify it from you because of his shed blood and his broken body has paid all of that price in Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You'll be home. You'll belong. You have a family. Isn't that what all of our orphan souls long to hear? Isn't that what we want to create as part of God's family? You belong. You hot, weird mess. We love you. <laughs> We see you. Yes, you're quirky. Yes, you're a lot. Yes, you're annoying sometimes. But you belong. You are annoying. You are quirky. You are weird. And the Lord is going to continue to guide us and guard us. He's the kind and compassionate shepherd. I love uh, Dallas Willard. Um, when he's translating this psalm, he says, there are about 12 statements in here that every human soul needs to hear that God is promising us in here. I don't lack rest, that's verse two. I don't lack leadership, verse two. I don't lack life, verse three. I don't lack guidance. I don't lack protection. I don't lack comfort. I don't lack a safe place. I don't lack provision. I don't lack goodness or grace. I don't lack a family or a forever home. Now, I understand that there's some tension in that text. 
that not all of us are gonna experience that here on planet Earth, that some of those promises are only fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes again and makes all things new and all things right. And again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We said it the first night, I need to say it again the second night. It doesn't mean that you will never have need of something. Adversity and deprecation are a part of the journey of the saints of God and the Son of God. What it means is you will never be without the careful management, sovereignty, and presence of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing that you will experience will not be able to be redeemed and resurrected and make significant sense. Even your season of loneliness. And I know some of you, you've, even as you're walking through loneliness, your arms are probably folded like this and you're going, you don't know my story. You don't know how lonely I am. You don't know how much I've tried. You're, you're probably right. And by the way, for those of you who are lonely and guarded, there's probably good reasons sometimes. But just be careful that lonely doesn't become so safe for you that you start to suffocate. Watch out, because it, it was tough for a while, but now it's become your greatest defense mechanism so you don't get hurt or abandoned again. I know reaching out and trusting the family of God takes faith, and it's a risk, and it may not work out. You may have some more scars when you're done with it. Chances are you will, but it'll be worth it. You need to be connected to God and to each other. We need to experience the presence and person of Jesus, not only by ourselves, but through the eyes and the words of some of our closest friends. Does it take time? Yes. Does it always work out? No. Is it absolutely essential? You betcha. And some of you, you've been circling our orbit for far too long. You're coming in here in a crowd of people, and I know it's still lonely. It's time to commit. We need a church home. You need a church family. If this is it, great. If not, find one, and we bless you in the name of Jesus. We say this all the time when it comes to community. It doesn't have to be with us, but it has to be somewhere, please. And I just want to let you know on behalf of Kairos and our staff and our pastors and our ministers, it's okay that you're not okay. That's usually the norm. We've seen it a lot <laughs> because it's us. But it's also not okay that just you're okay. We need you. The family needs you. And I love what Keller says. Everybody wants community until it requires sacrifice. Maybe the loneliness that you're experiencing right now is the very thing that's going to drive your character and your competency to be able to step out for the rest of your life, no matter what town you land in, no matter what your relationship status is, no matter what church you're a part of, you will relentlessly pursue community and brothers and sisters in Christ. Because you want to be known. And you want to know others. And you want to belong for a family. And you want someone to look at you and say, hey, I'm not just asking you to stay for a meal. I'm asking you to be a part of the family. And for those of you who've been running in rebellion, by the way, you can come home. That's okay. Ernest Hemingway tells one of the great stories in uh, the Spanish tradition. Um, Paco was a rebellious, entitled, arrogant son. And one day, him and his father got in a heated argument, and words were said that really, really hurt. And it exploded, and Paco stomped out, slammed the door, grabbed what little possessions he could, and took off to the big city of Madrid.
never to be heard from again. Father stayed at home, and even though he was upset and he was hurt, he missed his son. And he wanted him back. So a short while after that, he went to the town of Madrid and took out an ad in the newspaper. And it simply said this, Paco, meet me at Hotel Montaigne. All is forgiven. See you at noon. Love, Papa. At noon, two days later, at Hotel Montaigne, the father walked around the corner to discover 800 Pacos waiting for the forgiveness and embrace of a father. Because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ tonight, you can come home. All is forgiven. He wants to restore you. He's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Some may call that reckless. Even if you can't get up to come home, just put your hand up and say, good shepherd, would you come to me? Because I'm so broken, I can't put one foot in front of the other. And based off the authority of God's word and your repentance, he will put you on his shoulders and he will carry you home. So tonight as we come to the table together, as your pastor and on behalf of this congregation, I'm not just asking you to stay for a meal. I'm asking you to be a part of the family. Amen.